Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. This is the Instant Reaction Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. Levin Black is with me. And Levin, we are in a position I never thought we'd be in. You know, when Nick Bosa got hurt, I said the 49ers Super Bowl hopes died in New Jersey. Well, after the 49ers were absolutely embarrassed by the Miami Dolphins, 43-17, to their playoff hopes are dead. I think their Super Bowl hopes in the next year are dead. This was a franchise-altering loss for the 49ers. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else to say other than yeah to that. This is nightmare, complete and total worst-case scenario for how this season could have gone. I mean, I know they're 2-3, and and that might seem not horrid on the surface, but they just played the easiest third of their schedule, and they got a gauntlet coming up, and they look like the worst team in the league right now. I I know they beat the Jets and the Giants, but they looked as bad as them. I mean, the the Giants looked better than them today with the way they gave the Cowboys a game. It was bad from even before the game started, because before the game started, and let me get the, let me see if I can pull up the actual tweet. I might not be able to find it now because there was so much crap from that game. Before the actual game started, I saw a tweet. I think it was from Mayoko who said, oh, 49ers have a surprise starter at cornerback today. Brian Allen's going to start at corner. And I thought, who the f- is Brian Allen? <laughs> and guess what? The Dolphins sure knew who he was because they targeted the hell out of him the entire first half. He was riddled with passes. The Dolphins went right down the field, and they were up 21-7 in the blink of an eye because the 49ers kept him out there the entire time, Levin. And I think this is who deserves the biggest criticism. Not Brian Allen, but Robert Sala, because it's like he didn't know who was out there because he made no adjustment for having – a guy who was just brought up off the practice squad and thrown out there as a starter. Zero adjustment. He kept playing the normal where his corners are basically left on islands. They might get safety help. They might not. Depends on how the play goes. No, when you got a guy who has never played before, who's just brought up off the practice squad out there, he gets the safety help every single time. And you might even change the way they actually play. Like I kept waiting on simplify it for him. Instead of making him try to play man on somebody, have him play underneath coverage with the safety playing over the top coverage just to guarantee that guy can't do anything. You know, guarantee the guy that Brian Allen is on can't do anything because Brian Allen has the short stuff and you simplified it for him, so he should be able to handle that and you have the safety over the top. And instead, what I mean, we're in halfway through the second quarter when that third and goal from the 22 happened. He's literally one-on-one left on an island in coverage on the outside because you have the safety blitzing. What the f***? Like, that, this is literally Like, yeah, the cuss words are going to be flying on this one because that is literally Little League mind-boggling bad coaching from Robert Sala. And if he wants to be a head coach, then he needs to get his head out of his ass. No, you know what? I don't even put that on Sala. I put it on Shanahan, okay? The buck stops with you. You're Robert Sala's boss. The first series, after the first series, Shanahan should have walked over to Salah and say, that guy's never in single coverage on an island again. That's what he should have done. You have to recognize that stuff. That is the CEO aspect of being a head coach. Forget about what schemes you're going to run on offense. Forget about all that stuff. As soon as the, the possession was over, 
You go over to Salah, you say that never happens again. And he didn't do it until it was way too late. There was an absolute breakdown. Everybody in the world knew that's where the Dolphins were going to go. It was third and goal from the 22, for God's sakes. And and Allen doesn't even touch Parker. He doesn't even get a finger on him. Fitzpatrick throws it right over the top. Nice throw by Fitzpatrick into the end zone. And that's it. That was the game. It was over from that point on. Well, Kyle couldn't do that because he has his hands full with the offense because they played like crap too. I mean, no aspect of this game. This is one of those games that there's not a single sil- silver lining. There's, there's no, well, at least that happened. You know, maybe that's a sign of the future. Nothing. Nothing positive, I think, comes out of this game. Zero. It was a coaching failure defensively, a coaching failure offensively. The players failed to ex- uh, execute both offensively and defensively. It was a total and complete team failure. And I've I literally have been sitting here thinking about it since about halfway through the third quarter. When has there been a bigger team failure for the 49ers? And I'm going back to a minimum the Harbaugh years when things started to crash then. And it might even not even be a Harbaugh one there. It might even be further back than that. This is completely inexcusable. And quite frankly, heads are going to roll if this keeps happening. It was putrid. It was, there was, you said it, there was no aspect of the team that was good. Nothing. The offense couldn't do anything. And you know what? Kyle said he took Jim, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo out at halftime to protect Jimmy. If Jimmy couldn't protect himself, he shouldn't have been out there to begin with, okay? It looked like there was no adjustment to the game plan for the fact that Garoppolo couldn't move around out there. It looked like there was no plan on offense other than, I hope we block better and I hope Raheem Mostert can break six tackles because that's the only way we're getting the ball down the damn field. It was awful. And I... I don't understand how you could seemingly look like such a good coach most weeks and then do something like this. Like this doesn't happen to Bill Belichick. This doesn't happen to Andy Reid. That's where I thought Kyle Shanahan was as a head coach. And you know what? I think I'm wrong. It's tough to tell. I can tell you this. Kyle is not adjusting. He is failing really badly this year. Now I said to you in text, I wonder how much of this has to do with COVID. Because his system is more complicated than others. But that's on the coach to know when it's too complicated. If you didn't have the offseason, you didn't have the preseason, and you can see it in practice that people are not executing, the blocking schemes are not working, change the damn system already. It's too late now. Season's gone. You can't wait till five weeks in when things are critical. This should have been changed. I mean, the offense has never been in sync. They have had one game that they were in sync when they didn't punt the ball once, and it was against the worst team in the league. Where are the adjustments from Kyle? And I say that because I know it's capable because I watched the Pittsburgh Steelers play the Philadelphia Eagles today because they live in Pennsylvania, and I saw what the Pittsburgh Steelers did because they couldn't block that defensive line either. That Philadelphia defensive line might be the best in the league this year. They were destroying it. What did they do? They watched the film from the previous week, saw what happened to the 49ers, and they made adjustments. They were literally running slants. They weren't five yards and then in slants. They were literally hike the ball and cut inside, and they were just doing that, and they were dinking and dunking all the way down the field. They had a 14-play drive in the first half. They adjusted to their opponents. They adjusted to what their team is capable of doing. Kyle hasn't done any of that this year. How? (laughs) like why not i know he watches the film i know he sees this stuff like 
How do you go into it just thinking, well, we're going to do what we do no matter what, when you've had five weeks now of the offensive line not being able to block, of the wide receivers not being able to win on the outside, of I, all I, this not, stuff. Not, I, I disagree with that. I saw plenty of times that Ayuk was winning deep and the quarterbacks were missing them left and right. There were three different deep passes where Ayuk was open deep and they missed him, didn't even give him a chance to get his hands on the ball. I think the wide receivers are winning matchups, at least lately. In the beginning of the season, maybe not. But the last couple of weeks, they are winning the matchups and the quarterbacks aren't getting it done. Well, okay. I, today, maybe they'd won more than they have in the past. I, I'm willing to concede that. But I, I just don't know how we got here. How did we get to the point where the offense is a problem with the Kyle Shanahan coach team? How did that happen? The offensive line hasn't shown up, and that's on a lot of people. McGlinchey, bust. I mean, he he's... It's very clear at, th at this point, he's not going to turn it around. He was mediocre at best in years past. He was mediocre with promise. Well, now he's regressed to bad player, and it's late enough in his career now that he's probably not going to fulfill whatever physical promise he has because he is a physical specimen. But it's not just him. You got Tomlinson is looking like he needs to be benched. He I was thinking, sucks. I was thinking about that. Like, if he's going to have this many miscues, because there were a lot of times when Trent Williams and Lake and Tomlinson are not on the same page whatsoever. They don't see the same things nope. at all. And I wonder, I mean, that, that's a really big effect from Richburg because Richburg was the one that played, called the signals, called out things pre-snap. I don't see any of that this year. I don't see somebody on the offensive line taking charge and saying, this is what's going on, so let's block this way prior to the snap. For one. And Williams and Tomlinson can't see the same thing. There were three different times in that game when I was still paying attention to the game because I stopped paying attention in the fourth quarter. But three times I saw where they had a guy and neither one of them blocked him. Yep. One of them went to the left. Tomlinson went, or sorry, Williams went to the left. Sometimes he blocked somebody. Sometimes he was out there blocking nobody. And sometimes it was Tomlinson going to the right and blocking nobody or double teaming somebody when Williams had two guys because a linebacker's blitzing on his side. So somebody goes unmarked. And at the end of the game, I didn't personally see it. I saw a tweet from one of the beat writers saying Williams had some choice words for Tomlinson after that. So I wonder how much of it is Tomlinson just not being, quite frankly, smart enough. He's not recognizing what's going on, and he's leaving Williams out to dry. Not to say Williams is doing a good job because at this point, I don't think you re-sign him with the way he's playing. I wouldn't for what he's going to ask for. Hell no. I would take Joe Staley right now, even though he lost like 80 pounds. And did you see Joe Staley's angry tweets during the game? Even he was pissed off at what he was seeing out there. Who knew that Joe Staley was the backbone of this team? I mean, without him, this offensive line went from, I mean, they were basically mediocre in the last couple of years. It went from mediocre to, I don't think there's any argument. They're the worst in the league. Because they're terrible at run blocking. Their run blocking stuff rate, meaning when the running back gets hit at the line of scrimmage or behind, leads the league at least going into this game. And their pass blocking has got to, I, I don't know for a fact, but it's got to be the, the worst in the league. It, it's horrible. How could it not be? <laughs> <laughs> How could it not be? Who is the team that is worse than that? I mean, anytime there's a third down, and we saw it today, I mean, anytime there's a third down, the defense gets home immediately. I mean, there was one play today where a linebacker literally came right 
up the middle of the offensive line, right down the middle. Lakin Tomlinson didn't even see him, and he goes right back, and he sat. I think it was Bethard at that point that he sacked. I mean, there's no communication. There's no cohesion. There's no anything, and it's the same problems week after week. And to me, that's why when I look at who gets the biggest slice of blame pie, it's on you, Kyle Shanahan. That's a coaching error. That's a coaching mistake. You have to fix that. And the fact that they don't get it fixed, to me, means Kyle's coaching it wrong. And what drives me nuts is he's not adjusting for having a bad offensive line. He's still running it out there going, well, they just have to execute. They're not going to execute it. Get through your freaking head. They're not going to do it. Why is he not rolling out the quarterbacks? Why is he not getting the quarterback away from the play? Why is he not running the plays that I just talked about with the Steelers where the, the player's not running a five yard in slant. He's running. I'm going over the middle instantly from the outside because I don't have time to do a five yard in an in slant because the offense line isn't going to hold up. The quarterback's not going to be able to see me because he's going to have a guy in his face. And that the rollout is the part that really bothers me because when Mullins was in, he was rolling him out some, especially last week when Mullins was, playing like crap, but he was rolling him out, getting him away from all that pressure. It's like he's scared for, for Jimmy to get hurt, and so he won't do that. Well, you can't coach scared just like you can't play scared. It's ridiculous. And then when Beathard was in, he wasn't rolling Beathard out. Like, you got you got to adjust for the fact that offensive line is not going to hold up. That is a stone-cold fact. So call plays that don't leave your quarterback sitting back there for three or four seconds. Yeah, I mean, let's – Let's go ahead and look at some of the quotes because the quotes speak to exactly what you're saying. I mean, look, Kyle Shanahan, if we don't get better, it's going to be a long season. Yeah, dude. It is a long season. <laughs> I mean, that's on you, okay? They were disorganized. Everything I've been saying about Kyle Shanahan and why I like him was the complete opposite today. It was like bizarro Shanahan was out there. They weren't organized. They couldn't even get the plays in on time. I felt like I was watching Jim Harbaugh coach teams all over again. Nothing was good about this team. They asked about why Witherspoon's not playing. And he said, well, Witherspoon was, he wasn't sure about his hamstring early in the game. So he was to be used only in emergency. And then they put him in. You want to know why they put him in? Because Witherspoon went to the coaching staff and said, please put me in the game. Like, what is going on? What is happening? How did we get here? This was a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. They were in the freaking Super Bowl. They were 13 and three. Nobody messed with this team. Nobody pushed this team around last year. And now they're getting dominated at everything. Like not just one thing either. That's the part that doesn't make sense to me. Like this was supposed to be the revenge of the offense or whatever you want to call it, because they're all back. You got Kittle back. You got Ayuk back. Debo was back. Jimmy was back. They were supposed to be this, like I said, on our weekly pod with all those guys back, they could be at a record setting type offense well no they scored 17 points and they looked like a Jets offense out there I mean they looked like Adam Gase was coaching I don't know Shanahan said they only put Witherspoon in the game once he went to the coaching staff so they were going to leave Brian Allen out there that's what that means they were going to leave him out there 11 they saw what was happening and they didn't think we didn't get this guy why don't you bench Brian Allen okay you you're not sure about Witherspoon okay fine bench him put Ward at corner right? Because he's supposed to be the versatile guy. He's supposed to be the guy that's so valuable because he could do so many things. Well, put him at corner and and bring in somebody else to play safety. Like, do something. The fact that you were just going to leave him out there, you thought you were going to be good. Like, what the hell? How is that going to be good? It gets back to the coaches aren't making adjustments. 
Salah was not adjusting to the fact that he had a bum out there who couldn't cover anybody. I mean, honestly, you or I might might as well have been out there. I mean, the guy was giving up. I think he gave up 150 yards in the first half. It's nothing personal to him. He was in a bad spot. He's a practice squad player, immediately brought up to start with very little time to get up to speed. But there's a reason why he was a practice squad player, and the coach should be doing everything he can to help him succeed. And instead, he just said, hey, we're going to run it as if Richard Sherman's over there. He's going to have to win one-on-one matchups. He's not going to win them. That's why he was on the practice squad. (laughs) Especially against Devontae Parker, the best receiver Miami has. I mean, there was a point where Fitzpatrick had 168 passing yards and Brian Allen gave up 124 of them. Like, that's how bad it was. And you just said it. And this is the biggest thing. And it was something that's completely opposite to what we've seen the 49ers coaches do to this point. They didn't put their players in a position to succeed. Not only did they not put them in a position to succeed, they put them in a position to fail. They did the complete opposite of what you're supposed to do as a coach. They left Allen out there on an island. They didn't adjust the passing routes and the quick plays for Jimmy G on a gimpy ankle. They put their players in a position to fail. And that is the definition of bad coaching. Right. I went back and I looked this up before we recorded because I was honestly curious. It's not the most yards the 49ers have given up passing in the 49ers era, but it is the worst pass defense performance in the Kyle Shanahan, Robert Sala era. They gave up 342 yards, which is the fourth most in the era. But the other times they gave up 342 in this game in just 28 attempts. The other times were 349 against the Saints last year. That was 40 attempts. So that's a lot less per yard per play. I mean, the, the Dolphins had 11.4 yards per pass attempt, not completion, attempt today. That's the worst in the in this era coaching. I, I wasn't able to go back in all the different years to see it, how far back it goes. But the only other ones that had more was that Saints game last year, like I mentioned, but that came on 40 attempts. Then there's 405 in 2018 against the Packers. That came on 46 attempts. And then there's the Jimmy G game. The game against the Jags, that great Jags team in 2017, they gave mm-hmm. up 380 yards passing, but it came on 50 attempts from, you know, the, the wonderful Burles had 50 attempts and only got 380 yards. Those are the only games they gave up more yards, but every single one of them, it was because there was a lot more attempts. 342 yards on 28 attempts? That's, you know, Madden on easy number. <laughs> <laughs> It was mad and uneasy out there for the Dolphins today. That pretty much sums it up. I mean, I'm arguing with somebody on Twitter. He's saying we're overreacting to one bad game. Here's the thing. It's not Not one one bad game. That's the concerning thing. And trust me, I know because I do this podcast and I produce everybody else's podcast on this whole network. I've heard the problems. The offensive line hasn't been good all year long, all year long. The secondary hasn't been good all year long. It's the same recurring issues that come up. And Levin, we touched on it a little bit, but you look at the schedule. Rams, Packers, Saints, Seahawks, Bills, Rams again. There is a very realistic possibility that they are 2-11 and in week 14 against Washington. That may be the next game they have a real chance to win. Because if they're if they keep playing like they play out there today, they have no chance to win. 
I wouldn't say they're going to be two and eleven. I would against bet against that, but can this team make the playoffs? No way, not not anymore. Not with the way it is. Which one of those teams are they beating? It's any given Sunday. The Chiefs lost to the Raiders today. Crap happens, you know. But you, like you said, the Rams four and one. Then you got the Patriots. What are, I think they're what two and one. I can't I can't remember because the, their schedule is so messed up right now. <laughs> but they're a good That's team cool. when Cam is healthy and Cam will be back by that game unless he has complications, but that's a different topic, but you got the Seahawks. They're undefeated going into the game. that's being played here shortly. As of the recording, you got the Packers still undefeated. You got the saints. Michael Thomas is back for that game. You know, he's not back for Monday because of other issues, but he'll be back for that game. So they will be back to being a good team. And then you got the Rams again, the bills, like you said, I mean, those are all playoff teams. I think those are all teams that have a very, very good chance of making playoffs and teams that quite honestly, some of those teams could win the Super Bowl. They're Super Bowl caliber teams. The Niners don't have an easy game left and they've wasted the easy games they have. And we said that coming into the season, the Niners have to get wins early because of what the middle of the schedule looks like. They didn't, they're now injured. They have a lot of guys out. They're not going to be a good enough team to overcome that. If they finish eight and eight, I think that is like the high mark at this point. If they can get to eight and eight, that's the best they're going to get to. They're not getting better than eight and eight, and they're quite likely to be a six and ten, seven and nine team. I think. I think you're being generous, to be honest with you. And I know it sounds like I'm overreacting, but I mean, the, you have to understand the quality of opponents that they have played. What is their offensive line going to do when Aaron Donald is sitting there? Is Kyle going to adjust then? Like, are you real? Could we get some some quick slants here? Could we get some like do something? I just, I think it's going to get really, really ugly, and it's gotten really ugly under Kyle Shanahan before. You know, he's still not over five hundred as a head coach. He has a losing record as a head coach, and I think that you're going to start to see the talk, especially when it gets dark and it's going to get dark. You're going to see the talk that maybe Kyle Shanahan is one of those guys who's just a better coordinator than a head coach. I'm personally not willing to say that yet, but it's going to get dark and you're going to hear that this week. I mean, it is the one criticism Kyle has had continually that even when he was an offensive coordinator, he had the criticism that he gets too cute. He gets a little too, I don't want to know if you want to call it confidence, but he gets ego involved and he's not willing to change when he needs to. The thing is, when he's a coordinator, you have that head coach over him to say, you know, get your head out of your As the head coach, he doesn't have that. And I think there's something to be said here. You know, I, we, I said this on Twitter prior to the game. He is the new Andy Reid. Andy Reid had a criticism of he can create a great game plan prior to the game, but he won't make the right adjustments throughout the game, which means they're going to give up leads and lose some games that they should have won just because he won't make an adjustment. And I think you've seen that to a degree with Kyle. I don't think it's quite as pronounced. And Kyle, quite honestly, hasn't had the teams that Andy Reid had when he was in Philadelphia. You know, Andy Reid walked into a Donovan McNabb, very good team. But he has that. I think the Niners come out a lot of times with a good game plan. Not today, but they come out with a good game plan. And then if the other team's able to adjust to take away things, Kyle doesn't adjust. He keeps trying to run the same gimmicks, the same things. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you texted me earlier that it looks like the same offense as last year. And I wonder if that's what he did. You know, you, you don't quite say it in that manner, but you said teams have adjusted more to the Niners. 
I wonder if because there was no offseason, Kyle said, you know what? We got almost the same team back. I'm going to run a lot of the same things because I don't have the ability to upload a whole bunch of new complicated plays. And we're going to try to keep it simple and run the things from last year. Problem is you went to the Super Bowl last year. And when you go to the Super Bowl, everybody game plans for you. And I think they're running into that. Teams are game planning for the offense they saw last year. And Kyle's still running the same thing. And by the way, this the 49ers would not be the first team that's happened to. Look at Sean McVay last year. The same thing happened. He went to the Super Bowl. They lost the Super Bowl. He came back. The offense was okay, but it wasn't nearly as effective as it was the year they went to the Super Bowl. And it looks to me like McVay has taken that and adjusted himself, and the Rams appear to be doing better on offense this year. And maybe this is that year for Kyle Shanahan. Maybe it's the year where he realizes, hey, you know what? I got to change it up here. I got to go to school. We got to do some things differently because what they're doing isn't working at all. And it's in, it's so frustrating to watch. Like we waited all year for everybody to be back on offense. This was like the get right game, right? This was the game. Ayuk and Debo and Kittle's back. Everybody's here. The gang's all here. The Blues Brothers got the band back together. And then they just crapped down their leg right from go. Yeah, there's no mission from God for them. <laughs> <laughs> to make the Blues Brothers reference there. But yeah, the, it's a shit show. There's no other way to put it. Sorry to make you use your bleep button again, but that's what it is. <laughs> There's no positives coming out of this week, and I don't know what else to say other than this is one of those games. I don't even know if you watched the film. You just say, forget that game. Whatever we did in that game, we're never doing again because it didn't work. You know, the offensive line has to get it figured out. That's, that's I think, the bottom line. I, I do think Kyle can do things to help in that manner. But the bottom line is, if the offensive line continues to block this poorly, it doesn't matter who is calling the plays. Bill Walsh could be back there. It, it wouldn't matter. If you can't get guys to be blocked for more than two seconds, you're not going to be able to pass the ball. There's, and especially when they're doing it with only four or five rushers. It's not like True. they're just overloading. They're simply missing their blocks. The offensive line can't block anybody. And this is something that drives me nuts. And I know that he's trying to be the good guy here, but this isn't the time for it. Kittle, after the game, our unit is not playing well together. We've got the guys to right the ship. Nobody's jumping off or pointing fingers. You know what? Point some fingers. Maybe that's what you need. Because I guarantee you, if Richard Sherman is there, he's ripping somebody for allowing a 70-yard bomb to Mike Jasicki. He's ripping somebody probably Brian Allen, or he's getting in the face of Robert Sala on the sideline saying, what the hell are we doing leaving this guy alone on an island? Like somebody, sometimes you got to point fingers. It's okay. Like call somebody out. Obviously there are issues. They can't keep saying like, we'll get it figured out. Like, I don't know if it's a players only meeting, which I know they're overstated a lot of times, but like point fingers is my point. Do it. You have to identify these problems if you're going to fix them. I mean, I think that's a mentality that comes from the top down. Kyle, every once in a while, when he truly thinks, like, I'm done with this guy, I'm never going to use him, that's when he'll call somebody out. As long as the guy he thinks still has a role on the team, he's not calling him out. He never hammers the guys. Now, I'm not big on coaches doing that because I do think you alienate players to a certain degree if you're constantly calling them out by name to the media. But after a game like this, this is one of those games where you walk into that and you just start calling out. I don't know if you call specific names. 
It depends on what you think you saw out there, but you're certainly calling out certain groupings and saying, you know, that can't happen. We're not winning if so-and-so keeps playing that way. We're not winning if we can't block anybody. And if that offensive line is going to be that way, then we're going to have new guys in here sooner or later. That's the type of stuff he needs to do. Where's the fire and brimstone, you know? Yeah, where is the urgency? That's what I said going into this game. Where is the urgency? Enough with this. Well, we'll figure it out. No, no. Like, let's see it now. Remember in 94? We all remember 1994 as 49ers fans. What happened? The 49ers were getting their kicked by the Philadelphia Eagles. Steve Young was getting beat up. It just It was a terrible game. And George Seifert, who, by the way, doesn't get enough credit for being a good coach, pulls Young from the game. And Steve was pissed. And Young said it afterwards. He said, I was looking for a fight and I was going to fight George Seifert. And he went nuts on the sideline because it, he said he felt like Seifert was blaming him for the struggles. And it fired him up and it fired Young up and it fired up the entire team, especially the offense. And what happened that year? They went on to win the Super Bowl. But sometimes you got to piss people off a little bit. And if Kyle needs to piss off some of these players, then go ahead and do it. Because if you don't, Nothing's going to change. And I think I think we should touch on something you said weeks ago, and now I'm giving you credit, so if you want to take the capital T for this episode, whatever. <laughs> but you mentioned that who who's the guy on offense that will get in people's faces? You know, we mentioned that. Well, I think that's what they're missing right now. Yes, Kittle is a fiery guy, but he's not a I'm-going-to-tell-you-off guy. He always has his teammates' backs. He's not going to be the type of guy, like you saw Tom Brady on Thursday night, yelling at his teammates. We don't have that guy. There's nobody on the Niners' offense that is that guy. Kyle's not that guy, and there's no player that guy. Because Jimmy is always a, hey, let's do better. We can do better. Let's get it. Well, Kato said it was Jimmy. He said he lights a fire under you. He said he he lights a fire under you. He didn't say he'll go after guys. Well, that's true. He gives the team confidence is what he's meaning. He's not saying that Jimmy will get in somebody's face, and that's what's missing. There's nobody to get in somebody's face and tell Lake and Tomlinson to get his head out of his ass and start blocking somebody. There were multiple plays when literally Lake and Tomlinson is standing there blocking nobody on a pass play while there's a guy that goes right by him, doesn't get blocked by anybody, and gets a sack. Like Somebody needs to get in a somebody's face when that happens yeah it's it's pathetic garoppolo after the game this one hurt it hurt all of us after the game it's a tough situation to be in but we have some dogs in that locker room where where are they jimmy where are the dogs i'd love to see them fred warner bless his heart doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to get in people's faces he's that's not who he is and it's not a knock on him but they don't have anybody that is except for sherman who's not there anymore because he's hurt like there are no dogs. You got a bunch of puppies in that locker room that are, that are well trained, but there's no alpha. Well, a, a Chihuahua's a dog too. A Yorkie's a dog too. I mean, <laughs> there there's some weak dogs out there. Now I wouldn't say they're Chihuahuas because they're not even barking like a Chihuahua will. I mean, Chihuahua's the little annoying thing that you want to destroy because it thinks it's some 800 pound monster with its attitude. There's no attitude like that. I don't know what type of dog they are but it's one of the weak ones. <laughs> Let's put it that way. There's no bulldog. There's no Rottweiler. There's not even a Chihuahua. There's not even the guy who's not, not big enough to actually do anything, but at least he's going to be barking. 
And this is what what I think hurts too with the Bosa injury. Again, aside from the fact that he's unblockable, he his his play, his effort, and his style fires everybody else up on defense also. And with him not there, they're missing that. You know, it was supposedly Quan Alexander that was supposed to be like the emotional leader on the team. Well, maybe not. Maybe your emotional leader needs to actually be a guy that can play a little bit that doesn't overrun half the plays that he's assigned to, like. Sometimes your leaders have to be really good too, and they don't have either a good leader or any leader right now. So let me put it this way, because or let me put this to you, phrase it that way: Are the Niners a rebuilding team? Because I put it out yeah. on Twitter, I think they're a rebuilding team now. Why? Because they need a new right tackle, they need a new center, they need a new left guard, potentially need a new left tackle, depending on Trent Williams' contract. A whole line. The whole line. <laughs> I said I said I give Brenskill a little bit of a pass because he hasn't been terrible. He's been bad, but not terrible. And he's literally got no help anywhere. So you don't really get a good evaluation on him because it's so bad on both sides of him. But if you want to say whole line, fine. They need an entire offensive line revamp. They're going to need an entirely new secondary. And that's not because of all the guys that are injured. If you're sitting here saying, yeah, the guys are injured. They'll be back next year. No, they won't. They're all free agents. <laughs> they need an entirely new secondary other than Jimmy Ward. That's like literally the only main key cog who is for sure definitely going to be back. Emmanuel Mosley should be back as well because they, they control his fate, even though he's technically a free agent. But that, that alone makes you a rebuilding team, in my opinion. If you need an entirely new secondary and an entirely new offensive line, you're a rebuilding team. And, oh, by the way, then you throw in the possibility of do they need a quarterback? Do they need a quarterback? Yeah, they need a quarterback. We've been pretty big supporters of Jimmy, but after what's been seen this year, if the Niners move on, I got no regrets. If they stick with him, I can see that too, depending on how the season goes. But it, it is 100% certain now he's not making the elites. He's going to be at best a top 10 to 15 guy. The fact that we're saying that, well, if they move on, I won't be mad. But if they stay with it, that means you don't have a guy. That's it. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's it's a pass-fail business. You either got a guy or you don't. And it's clear now that they don't. And so that's it. That's the end of the argument. And if things get really bad this year, which I think they might, they're going to be up near the top of the draft next year. They might have a possibility to get a quarterback. Maybe you draft that guy. You know, who knows? I mean, do they do they try and maybe work out a deal to get Matt Ryan in there if they think that their Super Bowl window is still open? There's a lot of crazy options. You put it out uh, on Twitter, I think. If Aaron Rodgers is even remotely available, you have to explore that. I mean, you absolutely have to. Yeah, I said if Aaron Rodgers is even kind of sort of available, if you pay some kind of massive price, the Niners should do it. And I think they should. If the price is... Two two years of first rounders plus a mid round pick, do it. I think that's here's worth it. But here's the problem: you can't fix all the holes that way. Then, I mean, even now it's going to be hard if you need a whole new secondary and a whole new offensive line. There's no way to fix that in one off season. So now you're giving up multiple draft picks for Aaron Rodgers. Your argument then has to be that he's going to hide a lot of those because he's going to have to. The top truly elite quarterbacks do hide all that. I mean. Peyton Manning had a terrible offensive line with the Colts towards the end. He hit all that. As soon as he went away, what happened to Andrew Luck? 
He got the crap beat out of him. <laughs> because Peyton Manning was able to hide all that. You can win with a truly elite quarterback and a bad offensive line. How many times have we seen somebody like Ben Roethlisberger get the crap beat out of him in games because he stands in there and takes the damn hits, but he's a truly elite quarterback, so he still gets it done. You can win with a terrible offensive line and an elite quarterback. And there's going to be a lot of time, I feel like. I feel like we're going to have a lot of open, available space and airtime because the games are not going to be very compelling, I don't think, for the 49ers. Honestly, like, this is a lost season for me. I don't care what happens the rest of the way this season. I told my wife, like, we're sitting here right now. I'm in a jersey. You're in a jersey thing. I don't know what that is. Is that a jersey? Jersey shirt. It's a jersey shirt. Okay, that just proves you're a terrible fan. (laughs) This is not coming out the rest of the year. I... That's out. I'm not even going to bother putting on the jersey for the rest of the year. It's staying in the closet. I'll just wear whatever I want, but I am not going to be wearing the jersey the rest of the year. And I have to say, since I got this Kittle jersey, things have gone terribly for the 49ers. Terribly. I got it for the Super Bowl, and we all know how that turned out. And I've been wearing it every week this year, and it's been mostly bad. This thing has some bad juju. It might need an airing out. Let me ask you something. If you don't wear a jersey once the season is lost, what the heck did you do for all of the 2000 to 2010 years? <laughs> I didn't have a jersey. <laughs> I still wear it. I'll still wear Niner stuff on Sunday. I just might not wear it out as much. You know, I don't live in San Francisco. I don't live in California. If I wear it out, I'm going to get nonstop talk, especially with where I live now. You know, I live in Pittsburgh. The Steelers are 4-0. I don't really feel like having that conversation. So I I'll probably not wear it a whole lot. Problem is my truck is red with Niner decals everywhere, so I can't exactly escape the conversation (laughs) completely. (laughs) I mean, look, I'll tell anybody I'm a Niner fan. I don't care about that. But I'm just saying, in my house for the games, I'm so not invested in the rest of the games this season that the jersey's not even – it's not even coming. Like, what is there to focus on? You got to hope Ayuk develops the rest of the way. Honestly, I'm going to watch the rest of the season just hoping Kittle doesn't get more hurt than he is now. That's it, basically. Honestly, I think the rest of the season is about Jimmy Watch. Is he going to be good enough that you keep him around? Or is he going to be bad enough that you just make a clean break of it in the offseason? He's already shown it, though. Like, what are you going to see from the last, like, 11 games that really changes your mind? I'm not saying he has the potential to show that he's the game-changer quarterback. But he might show enough that you still keep him around because he's better than what you can probably find. That doesn't mean you don't go out there and try to find somebody. It doesn't mean you don't necessarily use a first-round pick on somebody. But he's good enough to keep around because he's better than almost anybody you're ever going to find on the scrap heap. Now, I'm all for exploring the trade market. I think that's the route. I don't think drafting a quarterback is the route unless by some miracle of a chance I can get Trevor Lawrence. Because it takes too long, especially in a Kyle Shanahan complicated offense. A rookie's not going to come in and make the difference. A rookie is going to be year two and three could start making the difference. I don't think, honestly, the Kyle Shanahan and certainly the John Lynch era can afford. I think they get a pass this year, mostly due to the injuries. But if they're bad again next year, even if it's because they drafted a rookie and the rookie's learning, they're they might not make it through another bad year then. That would be what? Got new deals. They're making it. They're not going anywhere. They both just got new deals. I don't, I'm not at that point yet. We're like, no, uh, I'm worried about them. I'm saying but, if they have a bad year again next year, 
which would be the likely scenario if they draft a rookie quarterback and decide to go with him. It's very rare that a rookie quarterback comes in and instantly starts winning. But if you draft a rookie quarterback and he plays really well, even if you don't necessarily win a ton of games, that's going to be fine. There's going to be hope there. But to me, to to say maybe we keep Jimmy around next year because we, we're not sure we can find anybody better, like, I hate that argument. I hate it. Because all that does is make you eight and eight. And that you know what that is? You're nowhere. Like, you either have a guy or you don't. And if you don't, who cares who you got? It doesn't matter because you ain't got the guy. They won 13-3 and three and went to the Super Bowl with Jimmy. He's good enough. I think the watch is, is he going to get back to what he was, where he's good enough that you could win a Super Bowl if you're dominant in other areas and you have a coach like Kyle Shanahan calling the plays? Or is he going to continue to be this regressed version that we've seen this year to where it is cut him and have a clean break because you can't even trade him for something? It's going to be wild. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else there is to say. I don't want to keep repeating ourselves. And I, maybe it's possible I'm overreacting. People keep telling me it's one bad game on Twitter. I don't, again, I don't think it's one bad game. I think the problems have been here all season, but you know, look, I'm, I'm hopeful that somehow they can win some of these games down the stretch. I don't think it's happening, but I am sure hope I'm wrong. Let's put it this way. We're in the, is the Harbaugh thing going to repeat itself? That's the watch we're having. Is there going to be enough people who show something the remainder of this year where the Niners look like a team that could still be a contender, either in the short term or after you know one year, finding the right quarterback, whatever? Because that hardball thing, everybody was saying, they're the one of the youngest teams in the league. They're going to dominate potential dynasty coming, and they never even won a Super Bowl. And you know you snapped your fingers, and it was over, and Jim Tom Sula was in there coaching. Yeah. I mean, things went south really quickly. And I mentioned that after they lost the Super Bowl, that that's my fear is that they again have this, they get so close and then everything crumbles. And in two years, you're going, what the heck happened? Who starts a quarterback next week? Jimmy. He didn't say he was starting. I don't know. He didn't commit to it. Jimmy Garoppolo on if he'll play next Sunday. I really haven't thought that far ahead. You haven't? You haven't? Really? How could you? That is such bullshit. That's when somebody (laughs) else needs to say, Jimmy, you really, you were benched at halftime. You didn't think about whether you'd play next week at all? Really? Like, here's the thing. Like, I don't, I'm not going to answer. Just say that. But don't lie to me. It'd be different if Beathard had played well, but he didn't play any better. He had a much higher rating because he didn't have the interceptions. No, he sucked. But he sucked. You know how many throws he threw into the dirt when a guy was open? He's I mean, a tackling dummy. He's, there's nobody else. The only <laughs> chance of doing anything is having Jimmy play. But if he can't move, and I mean, first of all, his throwing mechanics when he's healthy are wonky, especially with his footwork. So if he can't really put any weight on that ankle, then we're going to get the flat-footed arm throws from Jimmy where he can't throw more than 10 yards down the field. It's, it's, it's possible, but I mean, if he was, it's an ankle, it's a sprained ankle. If he was good enough to practice and then play in the game, you would think another week it would be healed enough. And if it's not, then what the heck is going on with it? I don't know. That's what the heck's going on with the whole team. It is, it is the 49ers are just 
disappointing. It is such a gut punch to come off of a Super Bowl year and to be, they were embarrassed, embarrassed at home by the Dolphins. They were never in the game, completely non-competitive. <sighs> we've been down this road before, Levin. I mean, at this point, we've said all we can say. It's a complete and total embarrassment, inexcusable. Everybody failed. Nobody should get dinner after that game. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get your bread. <laughs> no, and, and this is going to be the test for Kyle. Don't let it go in the tank. Don't let it go to 2-11, and 2-12. Don't have another one of those seasons. You did that when you didn't have the talent that you have now. And I know guys are hurt, but you're still way more talented than you were. That's, to me, what the rest of the season is. Don't go in the tank. And if you can't stop that, then we got a problem. They might be better off going into the tank, though. If they got no shot at winning a Super Bowl, what's the point of going 8-8, eight and 6-10, eight, and ten, whatever? Go in the tank. But my point is this. From a, from a long-term franchise standpoint, yes, you're right. Like It serves them better to get the better draft picks, and I understand that. But I'm just saying, from Kyle Shanahan, specifically his point of view, like keep it from going in the tank. Because then, then you look at Kyle Shanahan's record as a head coach, and what is it? with the 49ers. If you've got another year where you win two or three games, it's basically one fluke year and a lot of crap. I don't disagree. I'm just saying like, there's no point of going eight and eight. Not that I'm not one to say, go out and purposely tank, but I think you give it the next couple of weeks. If the Niners are two and five, say in another two weeks, at that point, you start playing other guys that you might not have played otherwise just to see what they got. You start evaluating your team, not necessarily purposely trying to lose. Who are those guys that they have held back up until now? They've all played because everybody's been hurt. That's true. <laughs> that's, very tr that's very true. But maybe you look at – I don't want to say this because he's one of the few people that's actually doing well, but Tart is a free agent. Maybe you give Tavarius Moore a safety shot, see what he can do and move Jimmy Ward over or whatever, you know, give somebody like Tavarius Moore who still didn't get a whole lot of playing time this season yet. No. Give him a shot. Maybe you say, okay, we're definitely moving on from Quan. Let's move Greenlaw up and have him play in the Quan spot. See what happens. Well, it is amazing where we are now versus where we thought we would be five weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Well, yeah, that's true. Even, yeah. I mean, after they beat the Giants and the Jets, I was like, everything that they want is still there for them. And now, not. Yeah. And that's it. That's, that's the it. Instant Reaction Podcast. I wish we had better news for you. Something tells me you're not really in a, in a, in a mood to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, but we still hope that you do anyway. Uh, stay tuned. We'll still have Niners Nate and the Shannon plan and all that this week. And hopefully we can dig up something to be positive about. And I know Nate will, will find something, the conductor of the 49ers hype train. But for 11 Black, I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. Sorry. Sorry.